the Department of Health and Human Services recently released two important final rules that have privacy and security implications. Those regulations include a final rule for Stage 3 of the High-Tech Act Meaningful Use Incentive Program for Electronic Health Records, and also a final rule for the 2015 edition of the program's related software certification program. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Dr. David Kibbe, CEO of Direct Trust, which created and maintains a framework for secure email in the healthcare sector and which has been used to achieve some of the objectives set by HHS. Dr. Kibbe will give us his assessment of the privacy and security requirements included in the final rules, as well as discuss some of the challenges that he sees related to secure health information exchange on a national basis. So, Dr. Kibbe, for starters... What do you like about the two final rules when it comes to privacy and security? And on the flip side, are there any weak spots in terms of the privacy and security requirements, any holes that you find disappointing? In general, uh, I think there's a lot of improvement in the final rules that were released recently. And many other commentators have, have probably pointed these out, the new flexibility the 90-day reporting period, both for 2015 and 2017, for Stage 2 and Stage 3, and so on. So I don't want to be overly critical of what I think has been a pretty significant improvement in straightening out what was becoming a very crooked path for meaningful use. But I was disappointed that privacy and security components of these new rules were pretty much unchanged from the previous rules. I thought there was an opportunity for both ONC and CMS to encourage uh, the healthcare industry to uh, step up their security and trust and identity controls in some very specific ways. So, for example, I was hoping that that we would see a a recommendation of multi-factor authentication to electronic health records and that that would come into the EHR certification uh, rule, the standards and certification rule, but it didn't. I mean, pretty much what we got was the standard requirement that a security review and analysis must be done by participants in the Meaningful Use programs for each year that they attest and receive bonuses. So that lack of taking the opportunity to improve recommendations and be more specific was not taken by CMS or ONC. So now I understand that direct trust work can be relied upon for multiple stage two and stage three objectives and criteria. Where does direct messaging play a role in the new requirements and has anything changed much in the final rule versus what was proposed when it comes to secure email? Nothing really has changed. There are some very minor but important specifications changes, such as a requirement for what we call dispatched MDNs, notification when a direct exchange is made that the end user has actually uh, had the information, the message, and the attachments uh, transmitted all the way to whatever edge client they're using. But in general, the rules continue to rely upon direct exchange as the primary method of direct ex- of exchanging for transitions of care. And we've seen just an enormous increase in the number of direct exchange transactions. In the second and third quarters of 2015, for example, the transactions that were made by direct 
participants through the direct trust network jumped up to about 60 million. And that's more than in the entire two years prior to that. So we're, we're definitely seeing a reliance on direct exchange, a comfort, if you will, in the industry with using direct exchange. I expect that we'll, we'll continue to, to be there for some time, even though we, we all know that there are other technologies for exchange that are in the pathway. Going back for a second to something you mentioned before, that, for instance, multi-factor authentication is not required, even though some had hoped that that would be perhaps required. Any idea why ONC and CMS took it easy on some of the requirements that maybe some people thought would be included when it comes to privacy and security? You know, I, I don't have any specific inside knowledge about that. I, I, it, could, it could well have been that going there would have been just a breach too far. As you know, there was a, there's been a lot of criticism, particularly from healthcare professional groups, my AAFP, for example, the NA, the American College of Physicians, with respect to the increasing complexity associated with stage three. I think that that may have been part of why ONC and CMS didn't press on the security and identity issues. They may also have thought, and there is some evidence, I mean, look at what Direct Trust has done, that the industry itself, without federal push, has adopted encryption. Encryption transport uh, is part of direct exchange, as you know. Identity validation, strong level of assurance of the identity of the partners that are exchanging information is a requirement within direct trust. And they may have felt that, in, indeed, the healthcare industry as a whole is, is moving in the right direction and didn't need a, an, any additional encouragement. Now, it was recently announced that the Veterans Health Administration and the Indian Health Service have become the first federal agencies to gain interoperability through direct exchange and have received accreditation from the Electronic Healthcare Network Accreditation Commission and Direct Trust. What does that mean, and why is that significant for the healthcare sector? It's a really big deal. Um, it's a real milestone to have. Uh, the Veterans Administration and the Health Service become part of the direct trust network to, to rely upon, if you will, the private sector's development of an interoperable exchange network that now has over a million endpoints. I think that what it means practically over time, will, it, it will mean that fax and e-fax and courier and mail communications between the Veterans Administration's medical centers, the Indian Health Service clinics and medical practices, and ultimately, I think uh, we'll see the DOD's medical centers and CMS also participate in direct exchange. It means that those federal agencies now have a way of moving from um, mail uh, and uh, fax to electronic exchange via direct with provider organizations and, and physicians and, and medical groups from within the context of their electronic health records. So there are several layers here of, I think, change that are occurring uh, somewhat simultaneously. And we're, we're delighted to be working with the federal agencies. It's, it shouldn't go without notice that direct trusts, a uh, security and trust framework has had to be made more robust to meet some of the requirements for security and identity controls that are required of the federal agencies and are not yet broadly required within the industry and the private sector. In addition to the final rules that were issued by HHS, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT also issued its final version 1.0 for a 10-year interoperability roadmap. What do you like or dislike about the roadmap when it comes to the privacy and security aspects? Well, again, the reason to do all of this, and this is certainly part of why we're working with the federal agencies like the Veterans Administration, 
is because we want patients to get better care, and we want the transitions of care and their care coordination activities to run more smoothly, for the information to be deliverable on time and get to the right place, ultimately to come under the uh, control of patients if they wish to have control over the medical information. So there really is a, a very strong clinical component to this, and it augurs very massive amounts of information being moved across the Internet and other public uh, networks. That has to be done safely and securely. It is a massive growth in, in terms of the vulnerability of information, both in transit and in storage in these institutions and these organizations. So I think that Interoperability Roadmap did a pretty good job in stressing the fact that public confidence as well as provider organizations will clearly erode unless these transactions can be made in a manner that is very, very protected and the risks of uh, breaches of, of several different kinds are mitigated. Based on all the recent developments from HHS, including the final rules and its interoperability roadmap, what do you see as the biggest challenges looking ahead in terms of achieving secure and interoperable health data exchange nationally? Well, there's a sort of a short-term answer to that, and then there's a longer-term answer to that. In the short term, the weakest link with direct exchange is at the level of the electronic health record product. Now, this is a very similar situation to what we experienced with e-prescribing, because e-prescribing modules were integrated into the electronic health records a number of years ago, six, seven years ago, just as exchange and information sharing modules are being, messaging modules are being integrated into electronic health records now. And it's been done at a a very fast pace. Many of the EHR's products are not well designed. Uh, They're not very usable. Uh, You may have seen the Cassidy and Senator Cassidy and Senator Whitehouse's bill to create a consumer reports-like extension of the certification program so that these products would be graded on a one-to-three scale and uh, on the basis of their security and their usability. It's it's a great bill. I hope it finds its way into the legislative process and becomes law. And I I think that in the longer term, the, the problem still is how do we move information in a more automated fashion between different providers' health IT systems. Fire is a query-based approach to this, and it's, it looks very, very promising. It also has a lot of complexities that have to be worked out so that the authorizations and permissions and consents that are necessary to assure that the information is going to the right person are fulfilled. That long-term challenge is one that really will require, I think, some systematic architectural changes to the healthcare IT world that we we live in now, and and those changes are going to be uh, hard to make unless there are changes in the way doctors and hospitals and medical systems are paid. So in some way, this all all goes back to the way in which information technology is enabling of a value-based purchasing and a value-based, quality-based system of healthcare reimbursement. That's happening, but that's happening slowly. So those two things are, are, are going to continue to be intertwined, payment, IT development, and the third, I think, is the, the, the mandate to do it securely. Finally, Dr. Kibbe, I understand that Direct Trust plans to unveil in 2016 direct-based secure texting and chats for use on mobile devices such as smartphones in the healthcare sector. Anything you can tell me about the status of those plans what should we be watching for and approximately when? We do have a work group 
a number of different vendors who are in the process of actually beginning to test a, a specification for online chatting. We call it direct texting. It, it's really more accurately a direct online chatting program. Think about the way in which direct trust has, has taken a, a specification for, for email. That's the direct projects uh, applicability statement. And then allowed those HISPs to allow customers using electronic health records to message anybody anywhere, provided they're within the trust community. We want to do the same thing with uh, online chat using smartphones and tablets and, and other devices, um, such that if you have a direct address, you could also have a direct text account that would allow you to communicate with anybody else who had a direct text account across the country. I think it's probably another uh, few months before we can make any kind of announcement as to when this might reach the market. The, the parties who are engaged in this, the health internet service providers or HISTs, are really, really working hard simply to accommodate the demand for direct, for direct messaging exchange now. So I think we'll, we'll see if the demand is there. I think direct trust will respond and perhaps work with uh, a, a lot of other people collaboratively to bring this to market. Thanks, Dr. Kibbe. I've been speaking to Dr. David Kibbe. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.